Boom, boom. Welcome to a new episode of the hottest podcast about Turkey and the Middle East, recorded live on a secret hilltop overlooking Istanbul. Tonight we have, as usual, Yusuf and Mike, plus one of the best journalists lurking around in the Middle East, Hannah Smith. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Yusuf. Hi, Mike. Hello, Yusuf. Hi. Um... Mike, what do you think? Before starting on this week's news, there is something that was really annoying and it made us feel terrible. There is a fucking conspiracy. It is, there is. So, there is this podcast, Ankara Bonbon. And it's mounting an insurgency against Istanbul. Boom. They are. They, I mean, they're ashamed to the podcast community and that's why they were kicked out of Turkey Podcasters Association. That's right. Yes, as well as the international. And we had nothing to do with that. That was a unanimous vote. Yeah, no, we we weren't. We didn't even go and vote because it was a conflict of interest. Right. And but they've always wanted what we have, and now they're now they're now they're resorting to conspiracies, to guest poaching, and all kinds of other dirty tricks to try and to try and beat us. Yeah, you know it's how not much. Work. You know how much they offered Archibald to be on their show. How much? I, I'm hearing numbers like from like. 10,000, 20,000 is ridiculous numbers. The thing, the thing about Archibald, too, is that he, he can be bought. He can, but thanks God he's anonymous and they don't know who he actually is. That's a, that's a really good thing. I, I heard that our first ever guest who made it, helped to make us famous, Emily Feldman, is appearing on Ankara Bonbon next week. That's not true. They're poaching guests. Emily would never do that. That's what I heard. Really? Oh, my God. So I, I, we want to encourage our listeners... Do not listen to Ankara Bonbon. Do not. Do not trust anything that they might say about us. Yes, they're horrible people. And if you're one of our guests, do not go on that show, no matter how much they offer you. Because we give you free pasta. Right. And you can't beat it. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, a, it's a big problem. Anyway, I think it's going to... And then there's Adana. It's going it's gonna, it's gonna to get ugly at some point. It will. It will. Those guys. But they're lucky they're in Ankara. Nobody goes to Ankara. Nobody goes thing. to Ankara, and you know we're not going to apply to Ankara just to have a fight with them. Yeah. But if you do see them here, stay away from us, Ankara Bonbon bon people. So, <laughs> so Mike, what's up with the elections, man? <laughs> Trump guy is going to be a nominee. What's happening? I think so, right? Like he's, it's happening. It's really, they're really doing it. Like Trump, Trump's coming. They can't <laughs> stop him. I mean, the guy it's like, it's like a horror movie. Like he just keeps going forward, no matter what they throw at him. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, so um, I mean, Trump versus Sanders will be like. I know. I know that's your dream. I mean, I, I never. I can't figure out if you so like funny. Sanders because you think he's funny, or because you actually think he would be a good candidate. I think Sanders would be a great domestic. Like domestically, he would be a great president. Internationally, it would be a huge disaster, probably. But what about Trump? I think. Comedically, Trump. I can't take Trump, Trump serious. Like, it's almost impossible. I don't think, I mean, you know what I think about Trump? I don't think he would say, do half of the crazy things he's saying, because he's probably saying all those nutcase things to, to be in the news, to get attention. I, I can't imagine, like, you can't even legally do those things. Like, constitutionally, you can't say, I'm going to ban, ban Muslims. Like, you can't legally do that, can you? I mean, it's, no, of course not. But it's like bullshit. But I, but I sort of, I, I actually think he's like serious when he says that stuff. But it's not just him, by the way. Like all, all the Republican, not all of them, additional Republican candidates say completely insane things that, that are, that, that other, um, like an example, Trump, Cruz have said we should carpet bomb Syria and ISIS in Syria. And like, Former carpet bomb. carpet bomb, which means... That hasn't been used since the Second World War. Okay, so... Oh, they carpet bombed the Vietnam. Did they? So, but see, what you're saying, like, former U.S. generals had to, like, come out and be like, we don't do that anymore. It's, it's a discredited tactic, and, like, the military is not going to do that. You can't, like, you cannot come in and order us to commit war crimes. Like... <laughs> 
other than war crimes, it's not even. It's practical. not just. But I'm saying Cruz also saying that, and like people, well, you know, people you know, are, are nervous. They're the, like, the, the, what's going to happen if? I think you think Cruz is more dangerous than Trump because he's like more serious. Because he's because he's more electable. You mean he's more electable and he's more serious. Like I don't think, like I think, the impression which it might be completely wrong, but the impression I get from Trump is, like if. God forbid he's ever the president, it can be totally different from what he's saying. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Trump isn't the man of principles. He's, he'll do whatever, you know, he'll do whatever benefits at the, at the time. But what do, you think he would, what do you think he would do if he were to be president somehow? I don't know, it'll be some, something like Bush, maybe. I, I don't know. You think Trump is just a crypto Bush? He's in such a worse you just, you just, So you just can't believe that he's actually that insane? Yeah, basically, I can't. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to believe it. You guys are both New Yorkers. Yeah, he's he's not a New Yorker. He's like a fake New Yorker. Did you, Did you see the thing where he where he like uh, took Palin for pizza in New York? Did you yeah. see that? They went on a date. No. He took Palin to pizza in New York. He was like trying to, and he, it was like a media thing. He wanted to show that he was like this big New Yorker. And first of all, he took her to a chain restaurant. That, like, that is in like airports. Right. I, I I don't know the name of it, but like like not like a you know. You I mean you, you can't you can't even like accidentally not go to like a original New York pizza place. But he found like a chain. It's a key and then, and then he, chains and then he ate it. With, <laughs> then he ate his pizza with a fork and knife, and it was like what? yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's not a New Yorker, man. He probably doesn't know how to use chopsticks. Well, but but okay, so you you just said if you like Sanders domestically. Domestically is okay, good. I mean, he okay, defends like single-payer healthcare. It's like a really good thing. You said, but you said that you think foreign policy would be a disaster. What What do you think Trump foreign policy? Right, that should be our, our focus here in Istanbul. Boom, boom. What yeah. happens to the world in a Trump presidency? Wait, what happens to the Middle might, East and Turkey? He, he, you know, he likes Putin. That's a scary thing. Yeah. I mean, this is like I don't know why Americans forget. It's like I want to go to America, knock on every door, and say, "Hello, Russia is still your enemy. You can't." I, and, Remember I the Cold and I appreciate War. that you use this podcast as a platform to restart the Cold War every week. It's not. <laughs> I respect that. As war journalists, I don't. I don't. I mean, you know, I guess we should just, you know, be warmongering. It's good business. You know, you know, that's why my, you know, that's why my dad told me when I went to photojournalism school. He said, "Do they, do they give you the wars, or you have to start your own war?" <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing both now. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So you want to go knock? You want to do a, your own campaign to? Because you're assuming that the people don't already listen to Istanbul Boom Boom. I mean, we don't have enough listeners to um, have a import to have a sizable effect on the elections. Unfortunately, we're Which, almost that could there. change, especially if we change. can thwart. I mean, if you look at if you look at our Sound, SoundCloud stats, we might have an effect on the Zimbabwe elections. Yeah, we did have Zimbabwe in there. We did have Zimbabwe. Congo, I, I thought also. Uh, yeah. Maybe we should talk about those countries too. But we should read about their elections, and they we should tr we should try to influence those elections also. Congo elections, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to go knock on doors, and you're going to say, "We should go to war with Putin." No, we, not, not we should go to war with Putin, but it's like don't like you can't have a pro-Russian president. It's like a ridiculous idea. I mean, it's like it's, a, it's like what's up, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Putin would ever be like, oh, I love Trump. He's like a good president. No, Putin wants to destroy you. He wants to take back, uh, take back Alaska. We never let that happen. Yeah, Alaska matters a lot to America. And you know they can see Alaska from Russia. You do not believe that me. That joke Alaska. is like eight years old. Yeah, I know. That's why I made it. So, wait, but what do you think? What do you think would happen to like U.S.-Turkey relations? What would Babajin do, do might, with Trump? They might end up being buddies with Babajin. I mean, not, they, don't, they don't say the same things politically, but they're both businessmen. They're both good in business. I think Babajin would put Trump in line. Likely, yeah, that's possible. Like, I, 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 I would... I hope they meet one day. And Babajin they could tell him what's up. Did they? But not, like, I'm in this sure. capacity where Trump's, There's like... There's, like, a Trump Tower in Istanbul. Yeah, but his... his, uh, his What's the name of the guy that owns Hurriet? Um, Doan. Yeah. yeah, that's his partner with Trump Towers here. But he said like he wants to break up with him. So they're trying to like kick him out of the Trump Towers now. 
No, they wanted to change the name for a second, but I don't but what, know. What, 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 happens in, what, what happens in Syria policy if Trump's, Trump's president? What do you think? He's going to carpet bomb Jordan, my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. What does like, the military do if Trump's like, commit war crimes? <laughs> like, do they have to be like, fuck you, no? Like, I, I don't even know how that works. I mean, they'll, they'll probably tell him, listen, Trump, that's not how these things are. Listen, Donnie. That's not how we're doing things here. Donnie, babe. Yeah. And we're not Danny, gonna, we know what we're talking about. And Danny we're not going to intentionally bomb civilians. Yeah, and Danny will live to like, follow their lead. What's, what's he going to do? I mean... I always think this is like the worst job in journalism, but I think if Trump becomes president, I will try to be a national security correspondent. I'll move to Canada. <laughs> you live in Turkey. <laughs> Whatever, I'll move to Canada. <laughs> Okay. All right. Yeah, this, this, this is enough. Um, Let's bring on our, our special guest. Yes, this is... Here it is. The London Times reporter. The one and the only. The impeachable and undestructible Hannah Lucida Smith. Thank you very much. Proud to present. Thank you very much for being a female guest on our podcast. I yes, Hannah Lucida Smith. Smith yeah. is a girl. We we have heard some criticism from our legions of fans that this is a bit a bit a bit too broy of a of a podcast. There's a bromance feel going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, but we are very woman friendly, and we are happy to welcome you into our secure bunker, where you are safe from everyone, except for Twitter curds. They can reach everywhere, man. That's <laughs> a, this is the uh, this is the scary thing about them, right? There's no running away from Twitter. There's curds no running away from Twitter curds. So I, I, I want to talk about Twitter curds with you. So why are you waving your hands in the air? Is our technology yeah, becoming, our, more, our, becoming our, more advanced? Our most more voice modulation unit just malfunctioned that I had to. Okay, but you fix it with like yeah, waving. There we go. So. Just, just, just to set this up a bit, you, you are truly one of the best correspondents in the Middle East, and you were in Turkey reporting a, a really crucial story recently about the PKK slash YPG, the Kurdish militia in Syria, that is America's number one ally, and usually the Western media's number one darling. Mm -hmm. we're, we're taking territory, um, taking Arab territory, and you reported that they were pushing out Arab civilians in the process, right? Yeah. And you did that by speaking firsthand to witnesses, journalistically basically proving that it was happening. Exactly, yeah. Like people who'd come to Turkey or people who were displaced inside Syria. Yeah. Right. And it was, a great, it was a great report. Thank you. Um, it was a very good report. It was a great story. The background to this, though, is that because the YPG and also the PKK, which, again, same group, Syrian arm... Uh, Turkey arm are so used, especially in Syria, to getting pretty much uniformly good press in the West. They had a fucking cow at your report, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> they did. And they have a very effective Twitter army at their disposal. And yeah. you, you were, you were attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel a bit like a bit pathetic when you say I was attacked. Cause it's it's just insults on Twitter, right? It's not yeah. like being like you know, yeah, uh, you, people beating you up in the street or the horrible things that can happen to journalists. It's just people like raging at you on Twitter. Um, is this all right? Am I? Yeah. yeah. Stay smart. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it it was a shock. I've never in my career in the Middle East with, you know insulting a lot of different groups, as I do, or, you know, yeah. doing stories about a lot of different groups. It's the first time that I've really had a kind of concerted, aggressive Twitter campaign against me. I never yeah. knew such a thing existed. They made like fake accounts of, of you. And stuff, yeah, right? they did. Yeah. I, I tried to dig it out, actually. I can't find it. I, I have got a screenshot of it somewhere. It was quite hilarious. So what, so what happened? Like, can you, can you like walk us through this? Because I, I mean, it's, it's comical, right? And like you said, like it's not, you weren't really attacked, but like, you know, Dweebs online, <laughs> you know, tried to online kill you. 
pretty much, right? And they threw all their nerd weapons at you. Um, but also, it's, I mean, it, at the same time, they're not just dweebs. Like, this is actually instructive about, it tells us something about this group, I Absolutely. think, also, right? Yeah. So, but, so what happened? Okay, so I, I published a story in The Times. And it, yeah. Actually, it wasn't, it wasn't an entirely new story. Like, this is a story that in um, kind of Syrian press, which is very good. There's some very good journalists working in Syria doing stuff. And they'd been reporting for maybe two or three months that the YPG, the Syrian militia, PKK, um, had been basically taking Arab villages and then carrying out a campaign of, I guess you'd call it, collective punishment. So basically burning these villages to the ground, displacing the people, right. people fleeing to Turkey, fleeing to other areas of Syria, in some cases fleeing to other ISIS areas because they actually thought it was better than wow. living under the wow. YPG, which is wow. something, right? Um, so this stuff had been going around for a while. So I, yeah, with the help of a really good fixer, I tracked down some of the families who'd come to Turkey um, got some testimony. It was all kind of figuring out. They gave some names of various commanders. You know, the story's all figured out. They gave the names of some villages. And the story checked out. And it wasn't, you know, I didn't kind of publish it thinking, oh, this is going to create big waves. It was yeah. just, you know, another story, right? You know, it's YPG, they're a militia like any other. Syria's a horrible place. Right. Of course, these things happen. And I think about maybe 12 hours after it went online. This that quick. Yeah, this this kind of trickle started, and it started with like sort of fairly, you know, okay comments with like bullshit or you know, <laughs> <laughs> sort of one word, and then built into this thing where I was like, every time I looked on Twitter, I'd have like two hundred new messages coming in. Two hundred? Mate, it was Jesus. like it was constant. It was really, really constant. I remember I was I was on a different assignment in Greece doing the migrant story. Um, and as I was trying to write my story, all these fucking things kept coming up on Twitter. I was like, jeez. I've never had that. You know, I've written yeah. stories about, a lot of stories about what Assad's doing, and you get, you know, the odd one or two saying, oh, you work for Mossad. Yeah, that's like what I'm used to. Like, yeah, like yeah. a couple guys who I actually kind of usually like, yeah. who are just like outright crazy trolls. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, whatever, you know. Yeah, you move on. You're like, oh. but I, but I, I feel like that with with the with the PKK and and like their supporters and the YPG, by extension, and their supporters, like they actually have like a really organized and effective online presence, right? Absolutely, yeah. There's an example of this. I mean, about the same subject. You know, you know when this whole um, craziness was going on, I was called Hannah Smith's white knight, right? <laughs> Which was really funny, but it's actually kind of scary. I, I don't remember how I got involved in this. But You're everybody's was, white knight, but okay. <laughs> but there was this <laughs> Facebook conversation we had with Hannah. It wasn't a message. It was like on, you know, like normal Facebook. And before this, we, with a friend of ours, Brilliant, right? Mm. We were in a trip to Jizre. This is before this whole fighting in Jizre This is the, the Kurdish region. Yeah, it's a, it's in, a town uh, in, Turkey. in Kurdish. Yeah. But it's like... Um, it's like a really like backwater town. It's like in the middle of nowhere on the border. Yeah. It's like a stupid. I mean, it's not stupid, but it's a you know small way under the world town. It's just off the radar. And yeah, and we went to the only or maybe one of the few restaurants there, which Hannah was the only female, <laughs> and the restaurant was full and people were, you know, Hannah was the center of attention. Like. <laughs> I've never felt so loved in a kind of really <laughs> sleazy, horrible way. Yeah. yeah, and and so we were making fun of this on Twitter, on on <laughs> Facebook. We were like, ah, oh, you remember that? La, la, la. These guys, they took a screen grab of this. The Twitter cards. Yes. Yeah. And put it on Twitter. And by the time they put this on Twitter, there was this conflict going on in Jizre. And they were like, you too work for the Turkish government, and the, you know you don't understand people's pain, and you're making fun of people dying and people's misery. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> But it's, it's it's wild, right? Like it's, it's just it's it's something else to to see it happen, and and yeah. you and you almost feel like it's being it's got to be organized. I think totally. in some way. Totally. I think I mean, I'm not saying everybody that's part of this. I think it's like a snowball effect. But like I think there's some element of it that is planned because there. I think a lot of their because just you know, just to be clear, like they are also America's right now main ally mm -hmm. in Syria, right? Mm -hmm. The YPG, and this this requires a lot of publicity. PR uh, gymnastics, right? For the for the U.S. to be able to say like these are these great guys, they're not the PKK, who we happen to say is a terror group. Mm -hmm. Like you, you need good press in order to pull this off. Absolutely. I mean, you only have to look at the kind of like gymnastics that the U.S. 
spokespeople have been trying to do over the past week with yeah. what's happening with the Kurds attacking the moderate rebels in right. Aleppo. And, you know, they're trying to do all these like mental gymnastics, like, oh, well, we support this part of the YPG, but yeah. we don't support... And, you know, we... we yeah, I mean, absolutely. Depends um, which side of the Euphrates they're on. If they, yeah, right? Yeah, like, uh, which is bullshit, because if there's any if there's any faction in the Syrian war that is united and is... Yeah, right. one, it's <laughs> yeah. the YPG, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? You cannot say these guys have like their own... Right. No. Yeah, the US yeah. is like, not only is the YPG not the PKK, but the YPG who are fucking everything up for us right now are not the YPG. Exactly. Like, this yeah. is what they're trying to say. They're trying to say like the YPG in Aleppo aren't the same as the YPG yeah. in you know the, in Rojava or whatever. If I, I was like one of those reporters who had to like sit around at like State Department briefings, I would just put a pencil through my temple. Well, they were really giving these spokespeople yeah. a hard time. I mean, even reading the transcript, I almost felt like the spokesman's <laughs> pain. Right? You can see yeah. him trying to like wheedle his way out of it, and yeah. They, um, must, they must get their notes every morning and be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> it's like the worst job in American government. They, I, I, I did a story about this uh, last week, and the, a DOD official called me on background, quote-unquote, and he was like, he was like, the Kurds of Afrin may be attacking the Syrian opposition. I was like, YPG. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. He was like, we refer to them as the Kurds of Afrin. I'm like, but you made that up. Yeah. Just now. So <laughs> they're not even calling them SDF anymore, like Syrian Democrats. They, they're Afrin. kind of, that yeah. didn't work. Like, and well, because he said, yeah, because, yeah, he said, we support the SDF and the Kurds. Of, like, he didn't even say YPG anymore. Like, it's become like, they didn't, there was the PKK to begin with. Now they're not saying YPG anymore. And you're like, Kurds of Afrin well, sounds like a medieval you know, thing, though. It's like, sounds like a wine shop or something. General right? of Kurds of Afrin. It's like, it's like, it's like a. Isn't there a guy like that in the Bible or something or somewhere? It's like a vegan cafe in Jihad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I, I mean, but like, let, let's bring it back. Like, let, let's, uh, so, so you were just getting like really, really um, attacked on, on Twitter. Like, so, okay, what's the point from their perspective? Like, why, why, why do you think this is happening? Like, what was your understanding of this? Okay, I, I mean, I think if we... If we look at this journalistically, okay, they they are the only group, certainly in Syria, um, who do this to journalists online. I mean, you can you can pretty much write any story about ISIS. You're not going to yeah. get ISIS. Pretty much with the regime, the same. Pretty much with the FSA, the same. But the Kurds, if you write anything that's yeah. even slightly derogatory or slightly questioning, you know, that they're anything less than a great democratic liberal force, right. you get absolutely attacked. And this must be because they know that they have something to lose, okay. right? You know, they know that if their if their image slips in the West, then they have something to lose, which is obviously U.S. support, right? right. And their image is like you know, the secular fighting ISIS. The, the female fighters are also from from their group, right? Yeah. Like that, that everybody might know in the U.S. Like oh, exactly. these, these like uh, female fighters, secular but also inclusive. So this is like a big part of their thing. Yeah. We're we're democratic and we're inclusive. We're you know we're not only Kurds. We have Arabs. Look, we've yeah. got some Arabs and we've got some Assyrians and we're really inclusive. Right. So anything that kind of undermines that image right. is obviously a big problem for them, right? Right. So you, so you're saying like Assad, you know, we write that he's massacring civilians, committing war crimes, and he's like. Yeah, but that doesn't really affect me. He doesn't that, give a shit, right? Like a, I mean, okay, uh, like like we have a few trolls here and there that are yeah. like, like I think those people are almost like enthusiasts. Yeah, you know, and also yeah, like ISIS, like they want bad press. Yeah, right. They thrive on it, right? This yeah. is this is what they're all about. With the Kurds, I mean, they what the what the PKK has done, and when I say PKK, I mean you know the YPG in Syria as well. I'm talking about yeah. this one. Every acronym. Every acronym. Yeah. Like we're talking about the kind <laughs> of the Apoist Kurds, right? <laughs> the whole alphabet. They've, what they've done in terms of like PR and marketing, it, it must be the greatest bit of marketing by any militia in modern history, right? They've yeah. basically managed to firstly present themselves as the spokespeople for all Kurds. Right, which... Which they're not. Hmm. I mean, we all we all know and have interviewed people, Kurdish people, who absolutely don't agree with their right. agenda. A lot of them, tons of them, tons and of which them, none yeah, of tons them of can, them. which none of them is very important. Also, none of them can live in Syria anymore because they kicked absolutely. out every non-PYD Syrian absolutely. out of Syria. Yeah, well, I mean, if they were political. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they open fire on demonstrators. Yeah. I don't know why no one reports this. 
in in Namu's eyes. It's right? hard. It's yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to get that to sell. Also, you know, it's like it's really hard. In the uh, can you imagine? Like, it's it's tough to write about Kurdish internal politics. You gotta wade through the acronyms and stuff. But and also, you know, let's just, to be fair, the three of us have all reported from with the YPG embedded, mm-hmm. like. They are also the only group we can go with. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. Like they're, there's a great they're not going to murder us, you know? Like, well, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They're great to journalists. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like there's some kind of, like, you know, bloodthirsty, insane force. I think, I think that, at least from my perspective, you know, the, in a lot of ways, they are very reasonable compared to other groups in Syria, you know? Mm-hmm. There are moderate... Uh, that's Arab, a that's a FSA million. groups that, that would protect you but just aren't strong enough. Like they're the only group that's strong enough to protect you and also trustworthy. But there's also like a even, with, even before U.S. support came. It's but 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 the thing is like I, I, just to make a point like is that they just at least on at least as far as, far as like the press stories like they're just so used to only good press right mm-hmm. like 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 you're saying like they are a militia. This yeah. is a war. Bad things are happening, and that part to report it can be really difficult. And and there's a lot of pushback. There's a lot of pushback. I mean, they're almost like the popular girl at school who's <laughs> won the ballerina trophies every year, and then all of a sudden they come second, and they just throw a fucking hissy fit because they can't stand it, right? <laughs> ballerina <laughs> trophies. <though. laughs> no, this is like, this is kind of what it feels like. They've got so used to journalists yeah. coming and going, oh, you got. Yeah, oh, exactly. Great, I'll write a story about your female fighters. Yeah. And they can't handle it when someone comes in and looks at them critically. Right. And then by default, they go into this very Middle Eastern thing where it's like, okay, well, if you're not agreeing with us absolutely, then you're ISIS. You must agree with ISIS or you must be AKP. Right. Right, they can't handle you know, the notion that a journalist might be objective. There's right. only one, one, one thing there. It's the whole... And the whole PKK slash PYD, whatever, mythology is based on them being the victims. So they're used mm-hmm. to this. They are the victims. They're always yeah. in trouble. And they don't know how to handle not being the victims anymore, I think. Like they don't, yeah. the, the, the moment they become the people who are, the, the moment they become the oppressors, which in Syria to a certain point they did, and which you, you might even argue, I don't necessarily agree, but you might even argue that they're they become oppressors in certain parts of Turkey, but whatever. But they don't know how to handle that. Mm-hmm. It, it requires a different skill set, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of groups out here, you know, like... I think you can say that for a lot of groups in the Middle East. I mean, I think a lot of, like, you know... Sort of just in politics, generally, I mean... Generally, like, a, like the politics of victimhood is pretty pervasive yeah, across I mean, the Middle East. Right. right. Well, also, I mean, the U.S., too. I mean, it's, easy, it's easy to be a victim. It's like, yeah. you're always right. Like, whatever you do, you're right. You're yeah, but... But you know, but but your Hannah's story was like really um, important, right? Because we're it was it was a sign that they weren't what they were being made out to be. Not I mean, forget the press, right? Um, but, but by the U.S. government, mm-hmm. right? There is a they are really pushing because they don't have any other options really in Syria as far as strong partners who they can work with, who will stick to their you know the Obama administration's. Um, demands that you, you basically don't fight Assad mm-hmm. and you fight ISIS only. So the U.S. really promoting them, and you were there writing, "Hey, actually, hey, it's not all rosy, you know." And part of the plan for the U.S. in supporting them is that they are hoping eventually they will be able to ally with Arab groups that everyone recognizes. You need if you're going to actually defeat ISIS on your side. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were you were kind of saying, "Hey, this is a big this is a big problem." And I think the news of the last week, in which the Kurds of Efrain, as the Pentagon would like to call them, <laughs> or the YPG, is now attacking Arab, moderate, and Islamist, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole board of opposition groups in and around Aleppo, and making enemies and going kind of off the script. And, and we're suddenly starting to question, like, is U.S. policy going to work at all? Absolutely. Right? Like, I mean, it, it, it was predictive. Yeah, I mean, I think like what's been revealed in the last week is what is absolutely the fundamental flaw in U.S. policy when it comes to yeah. using the YPG, the PYD, as their ground ally, which is the U.S. kind of went into it saying and thinking that the Kurds' number one aim is to fight ISIS. And it's not. It's not. The Kurds are fighting ISIS because they're there. 
Good point. That's yeah. it. They'd be fighting anyone who is trying to come into their territory. And they did. Before ISIS existed, they were fighting against the, uh, sorry, the FSA, the moderate rebels right. in Rasalan. And they okay. used to say this, right? I heard it so many times from PYD commanders that we only fight people who fight us. Yeah. But they also have territorial aims that are beyond sure. fighting ISIS and are beyond defending their territory, which is what we're seeing in Aleppo province this week, right? They're going into places like Tel Rifat. I mean, they've got absolutely no claim yeah. whatsoever to Tel Rifat. None. There is <laughs> not no... In Azaz, Azaz, not right. in Azaz. There is absolutely no justification I mean, for them trying to sit this Tel Aviv. I mean, I mean I ISIS were there. I mean, it okay, wasn't... Yeah, that's true. And there, I mean, there was a, that's a mixed population before the war. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's but like Azaz. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. F- you know, do you remember when when Gobani, the battle for Gobani was happening? And I, I always thought, I mean, it's not really funny, but it was like darkly comic that ISIS was like trying to, because like in Arab, it's like um, I know Arab. I, no, no. Yeah. Right. And 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 then I so it's, I know Arab, right? But then mm-hmm. it's Gobani in Kurdish, which is like what we all call it. But then ISIS was like, it's, no, no, it's I know Islam. And I was like, oh, these fucking crazy nuts. Like, they're going to give everything their own ISIS name now. And now the Kurds are, like, na- renaming all the <laughs> Arab towns now. Like, yeah. I don't know. what I forget what they call Azaz, but, like, they're not calling it Azaz. You're no, like, they have another name for it. It's yeah, I know. It's like, it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> it's like the same thing. You're like... No, no, this is no, no. This has always been Kurdish, right? It has this like absurd name we just yeah, gave it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you look, you know, they opened uh, the PYD opened an office in Moscow, right, a right. couple of weeks ago, and they've got a map on the wall of Syria in this office, and they have painted not only the entire border but also the city of Aleppo in Kurdish colours. Huh. And it's like, but guy, like, no, oh, there are no vector. Yeah. Is this is this Kurdish territory? It's tough. I, 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 I What's don't. What's the Kurdish name for Aleppo? I don't know, actually. That's a good question. Maybe they're still working on it. <laughs> they might be. They've got time to come up with these next what, what do you, so, But what do you think this means for, for U.S. policy going forward? Because really the last 10 days or so has, has really seen like a massive clusterfuck of a change. Yeah, really big time. I mean, I guess the bigger problem isn't so much what the Kurds are doing on the ground. It's their alliance with Russia, right? And I think what we've seen, especially since the, um, especially since uh, Turkey shot down the Russian jet, is we've really been seeing Moscow trying to cozy up to the Kurds as a way to really piss off Ankara, yeah. right? Clearly, and the Kurds are responding to it. And you know, I, I think at this point we're seeing the Kurds sort of thinking, okay, who's going to be the better person for us to partner with? And they're probably going with Russia because Russia will do. Whatever. I mean, they don't put the sort of limitations on them that yeah. America's trying to, you know, the U.S. is standing there saying, hey, don't go into the Zaz. Like, no, please don't do that. Um, whereas Russia's just like, fucking hey, like, <laughs> come on. Have at it, guys. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think this is the kind of bigger problem for the U.S. at the moment. You know, the, the person or the, the group that they were really relying on to be their ground force in Syria has basically turned around and gone... Yeah, no, we kind of prefer Russia. Thanks for those weapons. Yeah, but thanks, yeah. but uh, it's not working <laughs> out. We can still say friends, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> the popular girl in high school. She's everybody's flirting <laughs> with her, and like she's just yeah. she's everywhere. <laughs> Complete floozy, mum. Complete floozy. All right, now a little music break. It's the song of the week is Amjalar from Heijan. This is dear listeners from all over the world. Now you're going to meet the real Istanbul underground rap man. It's Amjalar. It's about cops and drug dealers. Part two. Amjalar part part two. Part one one and two combined. Coming from Istanbul, boom, a world premiere right here. Get ready for the countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Lan, what is it? 
Tanıyorum genç bayanı rahatsız etmeye. Lan terbiye konuşayım da bayan var. Lan terbiye senin ağzını sikerim kimsin lan sen? Köşe at. Sana köşe at. Abi. Abi. Köşe at. Köşe at. Köşe at abi. Sikerim abine kimsin oğlum sen? Abi sen çok yanlış anladın beni. Sikerim yanlışını kimsin oğlum sen? Kez bana vereyim abi. Sikerim. Sen anan amına korkma. Nasıl abi? Ana, ana, ana. Annemi? Ananin. Ha öyle diyorsun abi. Ben ben size geçiyorum. Bakayım gözüne sokacağım. Anladım. Şehrimin içinde koptu kıyamet Gene olaylara nikoş mu göz abdet Belki bir gün bize de doğacak o güneş Ne olacak sonum bana bir akıl ver Amcalar rapime saz çalar Sireni az çalar Ayan ablalar lele kalçalar Bıyığı uzatmış kezmanım gelin Çok özlemişim ula ağzı bok koku Caddede podyumda ayan ablalar Nike adidas kuma sözde kızdır ha Bıçağın var oğlum bizi vurmasınlar Gül oğlum gül lan sakın çaktırma Şu tüpüne bak lan uyba bu dede Allah'ım vermesin düşmanıma bile Parlıyor fosforu şekiller tayvan Hele bir sarılışı var inan ki hayvan Al bir duman sonra neşe bizimle Köşede bekliyor lan o ayan abiler Tipleri kes mi go bakışlar fena Evlat olsa sevilmez la bunlar Sesimi duydular sireni yaktılar Vala geliyorlar mı go ordalar Aha duydular yat yere yat yat Ohoho gene mi amcalar Atmalı koş buna yaklar durmasın Paket olana çok ve kurtulana huzur Başladı maraton arkada amcalar Yakalayana gazoz burası bazılar Mugo maç yapak hadi bonza iyisine Kaybeden paketi alıp getirsin Üç korner bir dumana hap atlayam Kim tutar beni ve bir topa vuramayam Kimse sanmasın başıboşu zani Kimisi tekstilci kimisi torbacı Çok paket olduk öğrendik yolları Kim sorarsa mugo ekmek parası Hepsi Tipçi zamana Leva bu eda değil Uci gerim katiya Bi derde dünyayı Kal şu heyi ve aman edini Ve akıl ve kere Şimdi ne mermir binecin Babu kıyamete Hokus pokus puf Varız bir yokuz bir kapak bir nefes sonra gidiyoruz Ver malı çöz malı sarmalı yakmalı almalı dönmalı vurmalı bayıldı Amacınız neşe yapıştır keşe hayat felsefeniz oldu heyecane Tribine bin mi koyut hapı gün beni dinle ve gül paket olma küçük Ben yazdıkça deli dolu şehrimi çoğu sevdi bu rap denen o illeti Benle güzel mi go benle özel deli çöz bir fişek ya da sus da düşek Kafamı kovalama kendini oyalama Bir o yana bir bu yana bir dumana bayılana Yok sigara ve de bok sigara Yaramaz bu sana çünkü boşsun aga Farklı deli ben bu şehrimin dili Yazdıkça tribi çoğu sevdi beni Rap denince akla gelen bu kişi Birçoğu insanın kahkaha sebebi Sesimi duydular sireni yaktılar Valla geliyorlar mugo ordalar Aha duydular yat yere yat yat Oho gene mi amca Hepçi tipçi zamana Leva bu eda değil Uci gerim katila Biter de dünyayı Kal şu heyi ve aman edini Ve akıl ve kelecin Bine mermir binecin Babu kıyamete Heyecan Çatı Rikord Burası Bağcılar Nihat Güven Now we are back on Istanbul, boom, baby. So just like uh, one of our favorite segments of American talk shows where on Jimmy Kimmel Live, uh, celebrities read mean tweets that have been sent to them, we're going to have Hannah read mean tweets sent to her from all of her Twitter curds haters. This is like my fan club. <laughs> They're the people who pay me the most attention, actually. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's my fan. I'm so excited for these. <laughs> okay, so this is from uh, Bertramus. 
and he says, uh, you'll make an exceptional career as Erdogan's mouthpiece slash spokesperson. You're not a journalist, but a vile propagandist. <laughs> it's pretty direct. It's not bad. <laughs> no, it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, this one... Uh, no one called me vile before on Twitter. Vile, that's yeah. like a That's a strong... It's a strong insult. Yeah, uh, but it's almost like cliche. If you're going to be a troll and call somebody vile, you know, like... Yeah, think hard. He could right? do better. He, he could do better. better. This is from uh, Pragmat Yes, uh, who says... She regularly blocks Kurds. She sees Kurds as not worthy. She rarely blocks white people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But there's more. He, he so said I mean, the second you, you one. Do, you, do, you do block every person of Kurdish Everyone heritage. Everyone is a wanker, yeah. It's I like mean. 30 million people that you have blocked. I, I just can't be fucked <laughs> with them anymore. Like, you know, now when it starts coming, I'm just like, yeah, just block them, whatever. Um, but he goes on. She sees Kurds as not worthy to talk to. Two spelt with two O's. Even though most of them are nice people. <laughs> <laughs> They're really Again, not. Kurds means pro-PKK trolls in his mind. Yes. Yeah, well, totally. It's back to this thing, right? Like PKK equals Kurds, Kurds equals PKK. Uh, uh, this one's a bit, uh, he's a bit gangster rap. He's called Crispy Russia. Crispy what? Crispy, <laughs> Crispy Russia. Russia? Like, Crispy Russia. Russia. Oh, like Russia. bacon. Uh, like uh, a, uh, and he says, girl, <laughs> you have a problem with Kurds. How much AKP party pay you got, girl? This is a really good rap song. Yeah, that's the best one. Girl. girl. Oh, I like this one. This is from KC. He says, uh, it's been a rough day for Kurds and now deal with Hannah Lucy, a spoiled millennial consumed with self-interest. Go, go. <laughs> Am I a millennial? I never, I'm never quite sure what a millennial is. It's like you're born what after 2000, isn't that what it means? I, I don't know. I don't think you're a millennial. I don't think I'm a, a millennial, no. No, millennial means you were born after the year 2000. Definitely not, no. That doesn't mean that either. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. Does it? No. What else does it mean? Anyway. You really like the millennial? You are spoiled. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> spoiled. <laughs> completely, completely. Um, this is from Havale, who says, uh, Another lie from you. Funny how bad you are as a journalist. Disgusting. <laughs> I think he's British. That's the kind of thing a British person would say. Uh, <laughs> this is from Caribou39. He says, uh, Hannah is a fraud propagandist. And we in the USA don't believe anything that she spews. <laughs> <laughs> so he speaks for the whole USA. Yeah. Except you work for a British newspaper. <laughs> yeah. These guys must have like the thesaurus open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this one as well. This is from Thing in Itself. It says, you're wrong. They both as fair prostitutes do their job very well. That's a nice insult, isn't it? Yeah. Prostitute is an amazing creative. word. I love it. Man. It's quite creative. It, 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 yeah, there's some there's some IQ in that. <laughs> By the way, prostitute is funny because it combines press and prostitute. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, this is a so this is a response that I'd I'd posted an article that I'd written. This was back in October where there was a big like debate between. Merkel and Erdogan about what to do about the refugees coming and Erdogan had made this brilliant comment just after he'd had big talks with Merkel and everything seemed to be sorted out. He came out the next day and said, we're not your concentration camp to Germany, which is just like, Mm. ooh. Uh, Mm. So I posted this and uh, KC, who we've heard from before, said, no, Turkey is its own concentration camp of which you are one of its guards. Oh, (laughs) Oh. Oh. That's a way. Oh, you got that's right rough. Uh, this is this is like an old school one. It's the same guy, KC. Uh, you should team up with Sally Jones. Sally Jones, by the way, is uh, she's this British woman. She was a punk rocker and then she went and joined ISIS. She's quite a kind of complex character. <laughs> so he's saying uh, you should team up with Sally Jones. Have you been laid lately? Oh, <laughs> over the line, Twitter. Well, there's a punk rock ISIS person that's kind of interesting too, actually. Yeah, she's a bit mental. She's um, you can find photos of her online where she's like dressed as like a punk rock. No, f- no future in the caliphate. 
she seems to be doing quite well in the country. Better as she did as a punk rocker. I mean, no one had ever heard of her as a punk rocker, and now she's fucking everywhere. In God the save the Baghdadi. Yeah. No future. <laughs> I'll cut this back out. Okay. <laughs> okay, this one's good. Again, from Casey. I mean, this guy's one of my regular fans. Um, Hannah Lucy is a shit stirrer. Lives in Turkey. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. Where does he live, do you think? Uh, I don't know. I mean, most of these guys are in Europe, actually. Like, this is the thing. Like, uh, you know, I report in the southeast quite a lot. I spend quite a lot of time reporting on Kurdish issues, and never once, when I'm actually amongst you know, Kurdish people in Turkey, has this ever been brought up. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> yeah, I think these, these guys are mostly sort of sitting in their bedrooms in Europe, sort of furiously typing and wanking with the other hand. Um, oh, this one's good. This is from uh, Free Kurdistan. It? We Kurds won't forget you. You will have a statue of you on the square of cowardice. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're trying to convince the world that you're not oh Stalinist, don't start talking about your square of cowardice, <laughs> right? I want to go to there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be on it, so that's good. Oh, no, just a, a final one. Um, this is good. This is from Khan Karacha. You Britishes, all you do is sedition. There is an Indian saying, if the fish are fighting in a river, a British must be around. What? Whoa, <laughs> that explains the history uh, to a treat, man. Your Twitter is amazing. It's great. <laughs> and huh? there's a good person, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this, this guy, when I tried to find his tweet... Um, <laughs> yeah, we've been waiting for this. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us the gold one. Yeah, unfortunately, this guy's deleted his account, but I can remember what he said because it was quite direct. He, uh, he basically said, You fuck goats. You <laughs> goat fucker. <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, it's like, all right. This is, a, this is an Istanbul boom first. <laughs> goat fucker. Goat fucker. You used to say it. Goat fucker. <laughs> goat boom boom. <laughs> I mean, I can go on. I think square, square of Cowardice has got to be uh, in Lonely Planet. So that, 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 that's my fave, that, yeah. That, that I want a, a statue of me in the Square of Cowardice. I think that would be a high point in my journalistic so career. That was a really funny story, though, that you were, Hannah was telling me before, you were telling me before, Hannah. <laughs> One of these guys who was, like, you know, coming up with these ridiculous insults on Twitter, and Hannah messaged him, right, and said, listen... What you're doing, like, uh, you said something like, I can't sue you for this. Yeah, right? I mean, this guy, like, he, he, was, he was actually sort of smarter than this, because what he was doing, he's, uh, he's basically like a Kurdish, you know, ringleader. He's actually, he's got nothing to do with Kurds at all. He's a British guy in London um, who's a long-term PKK activist. So he's just completely bizarre. But um, he was basically saying that I work with the AKP. Or, yeah, this is the reason why I'm doing it. And he was saying it and saying it and saying it. And it got really boring. So I was just like, mate, if you're gonna, if you're gonna say this, you need evidence because otherwise this is basically libel, right? I mean, this can damage my career. I'm a journalist, and so if you don't say this shit, um, and then he issued a groveling apology, which was <laughs> it was wonderful. It took like all of about five minutes for him to like come out with a really really you know he apologized for the hurt to me the hurt to my family <laughs> it's amazing right like you're like supporting an armed militia in the middle east and then you're attacking people defending that armed militia and then when they say i'll sue you you're like oh i apologize yeah <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be sued like i can't i can't face a libel suit. i didn't even say i'd sue him i just said you could be sued for this <laughs> that's kind of all it took <laughs> So that's a lesson for anyone else who's getting harassed by fat little shits in London. <laughs> British libel law is, you know, pretty dra draconian, so use it in your favour. Like, gets used against journalists enough. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> journalists supporting British libel laws is good. So it, it felt a bit wrong, yeah. but. So Hannah Smith here has many tricks up her pocket. In her pocket. That's right. Her that, pocket. That's the correct metaphor, yeah. Up, yeah. up, whatever. She has many it's tricks. Tricks in her purse. In her purse, yes. Inside her shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Hannah Smith is one of the prime examples of what the perfect journalism education should be like. 
just like myself, yourself, she comes from this amazing background of bartending, right? And bartending, like, this is like a little secret. It's, it's actually not a secret. Like, they, teach, they even teach you in Columbia J School. The bartending is the best way to a great journalism career. Totally. It does, isn't it? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You, I mean, you learn a lot in, in bars. You learn a lot. I mean, I I went to university. I did a kind of sensible degree, but you know, I I really, I honestly learned more that has been useful for me in my journalism career, working behind bars, and especially working in like really rough, shitty bars. Definitely. That's the best one, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it will come across to people as a joke, but it's actually not. Like, from my point, the, the, if you give me as an example, because I want to get some attention too, like, I used to be, like, a very shy person who would be, like, scared to talk to people and all this shit, and, man, you work in a bar for two years, no you were shyness. Shy? You were shy? You used to be super shy. Really? Is this also when you had dreadlocks? Yes. Shy with dreadlocks? Yes. Turkish guy with dreadlocks shy. I, I really you was, would have, man. You would have creeped me out, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, know. But anyway, no, I mean, we, we were talking to Hannah about this before. Like, It's like really funny because the dealing with ridiculous drunk people is like so similar to dealing with like crazy warlords and militants Absolutely. and all this shit, no? Absolutely. I mean, they're both unreasonable, right? Like drunk people who want more <laughs> beer are really unreasonable. And warlords who've just, they've gone from like, I don't know, being like a builder to having like a Katiba or an army of like a thousand guys and lots of weapons are also really unreasonable. <laughs> and the tactics that you use to deal with them are kind of similar. Seriously. What are they? Uh, you just kind of like, you've got to keep the constant smile on your face and you've got to like swallow your pride and you know, everything you say is right and you know, that's an interesting point of view. And you, know, you never like directly disagree with them or directly tell them that they can't do something or you know, what they're doing is wrong, but you sort of find ways to <laughs> <laughs> manoeuvre them into you know, talking to you reasonably. <laughs> that's good. And they're both kind of sleazy. I mean, talking as a female journalist... They're both, yeah, I've been sleezed on by very drunk people, I've been sleezed on by warlords, and it's kind of a similar experience. You have to sort of swallow it, not say fuck off. You just have to <laughs> smile and go, thanks, and yeah, move on with your job. <laughs> You're the only person who ever sleezed on me in a war zone is Yusuf, so. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea of a, of a bartending education better than like, a fancy J school. Absolutely. Look, look, it teaches you how to deal with all kinds of people, right? Yeah. All kinds of people come into a bar and you have to deal with them. And and they get drunk, which, as I said, makes people very unreasonable. Yeah. And war also makes people very unreasonable. Um, also, just, just like being able to relate to people is, like, I think, the mm. main yeah. trait of a journalist, right? Like, yeah, you learn this thing. It's, 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 a, it's a difficult thing. You, know, you, learn, you, you meet a person... You know he's like a hundred percent completely ridiculous, out of his mind and saying ridiculous stuff, but you, like, you don't express this, and you're like, you make him think, you make him or her think that you're taking him damn very serious. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you, as a bartender, you're totally a therapist as well, right? Like you hear all yeah. people's like really boring problems. Like the amount yeah. of like guys who come into bars when they've just split up with their girlfriend or their wife. And you sort of have to sit there and listen to them as they get drunker and drunker. Um, and, you know, on occasion, like, being a journalist can kind of be like that as well. Like, yeah. Totally, right? No, I mean, did you, did you ever, like, get interviewed? You, you start to realize that it's, like, a little bit addictive. You're like, ah, this person, like, you know, you, you feel like the therapy aspect yourself, right? What if somebody is interviewing yeah, yeah, yeah. you? I know you, you like, uh, start, to, you, like start, to, start to do the same thing. You, you realize that it's, like, it's, like a, it's addictive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I it, guess like, it's talking about yourself, right? Which yeah. is always quite enchanting. Right? <laughs> like, also, yeah. my, my Giglio here used to be a DJ and party promoter in Italy. Really? That was my only bar. Not party promoter, but DJ. What sort of music did you do? Uh, a real range. Oh, no, come on. That is a get out of somebody who just plays shit. No, no. Come on. No, no. I, I was, the reason that I was uh, so popular was that, um, first of all, the bar was 10 euros all you can drink, so. <laughs> that, that <laughs> drink, yeah. Which really, really draws a good crowd. That tends to like whatever you play. <laughs> 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 the, 
No, I played, I played uh, good U.S. hip-hop. <laughs> is there such a thing? What? U.S. hip-hop is a thing, dear listeners. <laughs> not well, because you're British. You know, British hip-hop is like the abysmal. Is it? Oh, come on. What's yeah. British hip-hop? It's hip-hop. really silly. Yeah, of course there is. Of course Can you there imagine is. somebody rapping with like a British accent? It's like unreal. Oh, it's so... Oh, come on. Like, like, no, come on. It's very stupid. Oh. Anyway, anyway, whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I played... Because like, there, prob- there was a problem in Italy at that time. I don't know how it's going now, but like where they would just play the worst rap songs you ever heard in your life. Like, uh, like you go in there and, and hear like the, like the, the fucking Black Eyed Peas over and over again. So I, I would play. Black is considered hip hop now. No, I'm asking. I don't know. What do you call them? I don't know. Really cheesy, pop? cheesy pop, teenager music. Pop, yeah. Yeah. So they were playing like anyway. So I played that, and then as I got drunker, it was. Uh, I, it would usually go to like Queen and then The Darkness, um, wow. and then I would black out. So I don't know what I play after that. You really did play everything, didn't you? Uh, yeah. But it was it was a, it was a, the bass was was hip hop, hmm. and then yeah, The Darkness was very important though. Darkness is terrible. I, I mean, what I a terrible band. I went I went to I went to their concerts and everything. Seriously, yeah, great. Who is this seriously, the darkness. The darkness. They were like a terrible British band in like the early two thousands, right? Two thousand. Mid two thousands, yeah, they're fucking great. No, they weren't great. They were terrible. I mean, but like in a great, great in in like a great way. Like what? Like I believe in a thing called love. No, it's a terrible song. This is getting really really interesting on a podcast about (laughs) Middle I I really like. By the way, I I learned I learned nothing about journalism in this stint as a (laughs) as a DJ. (laughs) And that's why Mike Giglio does plagiarism instead of journalism. He plagiarized Istanbul Boom last week. Yusuf called me within the last week a plagiarist, a conformist. He is a conformist. A revisionist. Sitting very comfortable. And a class trader. You are all of those things. And next episode, we will let our listeners into the internal and very interesting politics of our revolutionary podcast. We will. The People's Podcast. The People's Revolutionary Podcast. Mike Giglio is a conformist who is using two chairs to sit right now, one for his feet and one for his bottom. He does does have an alcohol tray with like expensive liquor in it, including Hendrick's 25-year-old bottle of really good scotch. I don't fucking drink scotch. And Martini, which is like a weird European jet set drink. It's vermouth, you Turk. Whatever. You know, it's martini. It says martini. It's a plague on the country. You're a bartender, no less. When you order a martini in Turkey, they pour you vermouth because the brand is var- martini. And if you order a gin martini, which you shouldn't have to say. That is a class pour, enemy. They, they pour you a glass of vermouth and then put gin in it. See, see, dear listeners. And you this are this a bartender. This is what? This is what? This is blood to make a bad This is exactly what I meant by a conformist. Reform is class enemy, because the proletariat. The people are, are gonna know should only drink cheap this. bad beer. Counter revolutionary propaganda you on the revolutionary people's podcast. You, you also use the Turkish Airlines VIP lounge on the airport. Really? I earn those miles in economy. You do that. See, that's, yeah. that's, that's, you you know you earn those miles by the, by playing the man's game instead of fighting the man. Here, you hear it on first. Those, on are, hard, boom boom. those are hard-earned miles. And also, I Co- saw Mike Giglio. flights to fucking Donetsk when there used to be an airport there. It didn't get blown up yet. Antakya, Orfa. First of all, that's a lie. You never flew to Donetsk. Yeah, we did. You flew with me. You didn't fly to Donetsk. You flew to whatever the next city is. Oh, yeah, then you gave up on Ukraine. So no, no, we flew to Donetsk together. No, we'd never flew to Donetsk. Oh, we flew to Deep Prepper Trust because the Donetsk airport was closed. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. See, that's, that's it. That's your word. I flew without you. You were too busy hanging out being bohemian in Istanbul. You missed the war. <laughs> I was through the whole war. I didn't know what you're talking about. I don't miss wars. <coughs> nobody missed the war. It's still a war there. Uh. Just nobody wants to read about it anymore. We're done. All right. That's it for tonight's show. Thanks a lot for listening to us. We'll be waiting for you next week to another bombastic episode of Istanbul. Good night.